Hey guys, this is Jen here with the KT team. Welcome back to KT Confidential. This is podcast number eight. Sounds like a good one. The guys are talking about vacation rentals, Airbnbs, and really what they've been up to this week in the real estate world. Enjoy. Welcome to episode eight. Today we have no idea what we're talking about, but I do have a couple of things that I do want to chat with you about and kind of vent. All right, go. So we had a property on the market for lease last week. We got three offers on it last night, and we ultimately liked one of the offers. Here's my beef. When you hire a realtor, we've talked about this in past podcasts, you got to do your due diligence on who you're hiring and why. Well, in this case, there were so many errors. We liked the offer. We liked the prospective tenants, but there were so many errors in the offer. It got me thinking. Your realtor, a realtor, acts on your behalf to cover your ass on legalities. I'm sorry. I don't want to sound, you know, racist or objectionable to people's um, education level or whatever. But if you can't spell or put together a sentence in English, you are not protecting your client's best interest. So names were spelled incorrectly. The clauses had, well, not only were they spelled incorrectly, there was zero um, grammar attached to those sentences. Uh, I don't think there was a single period in the entire paragraph. Um, there was no start date to certain clauses, no end date, no ramification. Um, so if ever the, in this case, in, if ever the tenant had to go back to the landlord and say, hey, you remember that clause that we put in your lease agreement? Um, if they ever had to go back, th- those clauses would not hold anybody accountable. They are not legal clauses. So my point is, um, you know, we have to deal with these realtors on a, on a regular basis. Yeah, but it goes, uh, it goes beyond that. That's obviously important, being a, having proper representation to make sure you're protected. But it goes beyond that. I had a client once. This was in the midst of the spring market in 2017 when things were crazy and we were having you know, upwards 20 of offers. 15, 20 offers on a house. Yep. So this yep. was a house we had for sale on Savaline Boulevard. Um, we had, I think, 11 or 12 offers on the house. And we, we really came down to two offers. And one of them was twenty or $30,000 more which obviously, and it was a clean offer in the sense that there was no conditions. So it was very tempting. But the realtor was not on the ball. Uh, They just seemed very aloof, like just completely out of it when they came in. They weren't very um, professional. There was a lot of errors in the paperwork. I had a bad gut feeling about it. And uh, my clients weren't comfortable with it. Um, So we actually went with the offer That was less. Oh, there's no question that we have won for our 
clients, for our buyers in a position of multiple offers and bidding wars. We have won deals that we weren't the highest price uh, just based on the fact that we represented well. We had very good paperwork without errors, yeah. and um, we knew exactly uh, what we needed to do to make sure the transaction closed smoothly. And we relayed that to the sellers and the seller's agents. We have one deals. And so in this case, this your seller ended up accepting a deal for 20K less. Yeah. Just because of paperwork and the pre- presentation of it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's... Um... You'd be surprised how many times that actually happens. Like top realtors yeah. that usually are the ones that are getting top dollar for their clients, let's face it. Um, You know, we do more than just look at what's in front of you. You know, you're doing a bit more due diligence like that. Yeah. Well, and it just goes to show that it's not always about the dollars and cents, although obviously that often plays a big role in someone's decision. But I remember at the same time, there was a news article that came out, and I think it happened in Oakville, where they there was a bunch of competing offers on a house, and the winning buyer was a hundred thousand dollars lower than the highest offer, and the sellers chose that offer because something to do with the story of the buyers, like the buyers were um, Christians and they were, um, oh my goodness, I can't remember what you refer to them as, it's sad. What's the word? They were out, like, traveling the world preaching the gospel. And that's what they did for a living. And uh, anyway, so the sellers were Christians also, and they saw, like, well, I want these people to own my house. Racist fucks. They didn't own, or they didn't care about the extra $100,000 because they liked the story. They liked who the house was going to. So you never know. Well, Jen, on our team... When uh, I helped her and her fiancé purchase um, their existing home here in Milton, uh, we did get into multiple offers, and we did end up finding out that they accepted their offer because of the story that I presented Mm -hmm. uh, to them, and that their offer was several thousand dollars below um, the top offer. Um, so it happens all the time. So how you present that offer is, um, and the story behind it and mm-hmm. all that is uh, is very, very important. I have another question for you. So this is going to come up this afternoon because we're putting an offer on the property that you helped me show for a second time uh, last night. And that's on valuing. In this case, it's the lot. Um, but I kind of want to chat about, because I think this is a question that a lot of people have, is what value do some extras or premiums, um, what are they worth in terms of resale? So in this case, it's a pie lot, you know, pretty deep at the back, pretty long down one side, and it backs onto a beautiful wood lot. Like you can't see homes behind you when it's in full bloom. Um, it's just awesome. There is a walking trail, but it's tucked behind. You actually have a gate that you can walk out of the backyard and um, go through that walking trail. And I'm not 100% sure, but I think that trail connects itself to a creek area. Um, Just a beautiful, beautiful lot. So from your perspective, I think, because again, this is a question that a lot of people ask me, 
Um, how do you how do you value those things? What do you look at? And um, of course, it's only worth as somebody uh, as much as somebody's willing to pay for it. But um, how would you value in this case that lot or you know premiums like that in general? So I mean, the way you're right, like there's no um, guide that will tell you like this feature is worth X amount of money. So um, the way you value it is, you know, for me, I just from experience, obviously, and seeing what people will pay. But I also think, you know, if I were in the buyer's shoes, what value do I would I see in it? Because I think I have a very realistic view of value, obviously, being immersed in the industry. Um, but you're right, there's people that won't pay a premium period to be on green space because they don't see the value in spending that money. They might rather have a bigger home that's not on green space. Uh, so you're working with a certain pool of buyers that will spend the extra money. Um, and then you have the builders too, right? So you can see what builders charge for it. Uh, that's pretty consistent. And then it depends on the size of the house. Uh, for one home, maybe it's twenty to $30,000. But for a, maybe a multi-million dollar home, having that extra green space and private lot could be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there's a lot of variables you have to look into. Um, for an average home, quote unquote, um, in the maybe 500000 to a million dollar range, I would say depending on the type of green space, thirty dollars to $50,000 is common. Yeah, there are different types of green space, yeah. right? Like Madame's building a shit ton of homes that they sell, you know, backing onto green space, but really you're backing onto a park, which backs onto a school, which there's nothing but grass, and there's a walking trail behind it where everybody yeah. walks their dog. Or you're backing onto buried natural gas lines, right? which isn't a bad neighbor to have. I mean, nobody's really ever going to be back there working or anything, but it's not like you have a big treed area. It's just flat grass, right. overgrown, um, so it's nice. But in some cases, the builders don't even charge a premium for those lots. Yeah. And then it also depends on location. Like if you're in South Oakville and, you, you know, you're backing onto a uh, treed wood lot that obviously will have a premium based on um, just land costs um, yeah. and demand, right? Yeah. As opposed to being maybe in, you know, Hamilton or, well, Hamilton may be a different story, but Acton. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Oh, and then there's the big debate. I sent you a funny text. I thought it was funny. I was laughing. You were asking my opinion on a property that you had coming up, and uh, lot size and shape can matter. So I was making a joke because this particular lot that you were asking me about is very people long, like but quite narrow. <laughs> so I was I was discussing the uh, perceived value in whether width or length is better. And um, there's a question for the audience. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, it depends. Uh, shape and size is important. Very important when it comes to real estate. Alicia, how do you feel about that? We have a wide lot. That's what Madame refers to them <laughs> yeah. as wide lots. Yeah, 36 foot wide. 36 quite foot wide. wide lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, what else you got on the go right now? We're very busy. We are very, 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 busy. Very, very busy. Yeah. Um, got some great houses coming to market. Uh, Mississauga, uh, working with people in Burlington, Milton, Brampton, all over. So, And uh, all shapes and sizes too, ranging yeah. from, you know, three, four hundred grand right up to, you know, one point, whatever, three million or mm -hmm. so. 
Um, so we've got homes for every type of buyer right now. Yeah. We've got quite a few great homes in the pipeline. So I'm really excited. This is a great way to start the year. Yeah, I think it's going to be, and this is typically a way to kind of get an idea as to what the year holds. So I think it's going to be a very good year. Well, you know, I'll retract just based on the last week. It's amazing what changes in a week. I'll retract my statement a little bit saying that, you know, 2019 will be steady Eddie. Um, I actually think we are going to see a time, I don't know when, but it's already heating up. We're going to see an early spring market, and there is going to be a time where multiple offers are going to be pretty relevant and pretty prevalent um, in the market just based on lower inventory. I think there is going to be shorter supply than we're expecting. Uh, The fear of mortgage rates really increasing. So I think there's... You know, based on what we're seeing, especially in the last week, mm-hmm. I mean, we've signed, I don't know, eight or nine contracts in the last week for buyers and sellers. So um, that's higher than average. Um, there's going to be there's going to be a heating up of the market, if you will, um, over the next uh, six to eight weeks. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited for it. It'll uh it's all kind of suddenly changing, getting lots of calls with referrals too, which is nice to see. The other thing I'm really excited about, and obviously Cameron's excited about it, we really ramped up our gear in the last week. Like, holy shit, we've, I mean, we're we're all in and we went all out. We're committed. <laughs> I mean, I'm excited to use the uh, GoPro Fusion. Yeah. That thing looks awesome. Um, what else did we get? The uh, GoPro Hero we got 7. two GoPros. We got yep. Two new cameras. Yeah. The um, handful of lenses. Yeah. The cameras I'm really excited Stabilizer. about too. I mean, they're Sony's top, top of the line, full frame DSLR cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, the lenses that we got, that Sigma lens. Man, that thing is, that thing is a beast. It's nice just to look at and hold that. I know. Look at and hold. I know. So yeah. our social media marketing is really going to take a, uh, a ramp up, which is, uh, which is nice. Going to make these podcasts look even sexier yeah it is we should get people calling in that's what i want to do next call in like a like a radio show you want to be a talk show host yeah i want to answer people's questions so we have to you know just put that number out there and uh do a little bit of a live shoot maybe it's great yeah our 1-800 number you know 1-800-617-0090 make sure you have it in your Address. Well, no, we'll do phone. what everybody else does, where you just get them to chime in, you live stream it on Facebook. They put their phone number in, and we call them. That okay. way, you can filter through who's who's getting through. Right. Some crazy people <laughs> we may not want to talk to. I don't really want to talk to other realtors either. Though. Oh, I don't mind. Okay. Why not? We give them advice. Yeah. Yeah. We do it on a weekly basis. Yeah. Actually, going back to one quick thing was uh, the lease that you had um, or the offer you're talking about. Was that the guy that was hounding us that one night at like 11 o'clock at night? Oh my God. I really wanted to kick his ass. So he sends me, first of all, he calls me. It's quarter after 10. I just finished putting the kids to sleep. Like I usually shut it down at 9 30, 10 o'clock unless one of my clients has something pertinent. Yeah. Kids go to sleep. I finally eat dinner, have a shower, read a little bit, and I'm done, right? Um, 
so I missed the call. He left a voicemail, and um, he had some very basic questions that easily could have been dealt with in the morning. Then he texts you, which was at, called me first. Oh, did he? Yeah, I didn't answer. I didn't recognize the number, and it was late. Yeah. Then he texts me. Yep. So he called you at probably twenty after ten because it was after me. Then he texts you. Yeah. Then he texts me. Yeah. So I text him back saying thanks. So he wanted to submit an offer on one of our properties that were for lease. And for those of you listening or watching, uh, with a lease, you don't just get the offer and accept it or decline it. You do your due diligence. You have to. There's a lot of paperwork. Yeah, you got to research the tenants and make phone calls and and dig in to see if they're if that's somebody you would seriously consider. So we wouldn't have accomplished anything that night regardless, uh, let alone the fact that our clients were probably not accessible. Yeah, they were sleeping. (laughs) Yeah, so I sent him a message back saying, thanks so much for your interest. Um, Ariel is dealing with this particular listing. Please call him tomorrow morning at 647. And then he called you right away. Yeah. So that was funny. So, um, So after I finally had a glass of wine... Which, by the way, I did open a nice bottle of Amarone. It was was delicious. That's not a casual night drink. That's a nice bottle. I love Amarone. What's wrong with having a $50, $40 bottle just out of the blue? Oh, it wasn't out of the blue. I was looking forward to it all day. Oh, okay. Sell a house, work my ass off, work a 13-hour shift, come home, put the kids to bed, have a shower, and eat dinner at 11 o'clock. I deserve a fucking glass of... I'm nice just, wine if I want it. I'm cheap. I'll never do that. Yeah. Unless I'm having a steak. So next time you crack a bottle, let me know, because there's no way you're drinking the whole you're thing. Bringing, you're bringing steak? No, a glass. Oh, okay. I'll bring, my own, I'll, I'll bring my own glass. Yeah, thanks. Forget the steak. Yeah. Um, but back to this guy. So, so we, wait, let me finish. Okay, okay. Because I ended up, after I ate, I texted him, and I said, by chance, because I didn't know if it was the same same guy, Um I texted him. I said, did you call and leave a voicemail and then text my partner and then just text message me and send me an email? And um, But the way I worded it was like, come on, buddy. Like, it's 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, We can deal with this in the morning. And uh, yeah, like you said, clearly nothing happening with it at night. I mean, our landlords would have looked at us like we had eight heads if we were trying to deal with an offer without all of the supporting documents. Um, plus, we had already two other offers on the property that we advised everybody that we were dealing with it the following day. Mm. Um, so, I mean, in one sense, kudos on him for, you know, just making sure that his client's offer gets looked at. But his response to my text was, my apologies, I'll be putting the getting all of the supporting documents together tomorrow afternoon. He didn't even have it. He didn't have anything. Oh he didn't goodness. have the offer. He didn't have pay stubs. He didn't have credit reports. Nothing. And finally, he sent the offer with most of the supporting documents um, the next evening. So full twenty, almost twenty four hours later. Um, and then I felt bad for kind of giving him shit, but um, not really. Was did, have you accepted one? Yeah, it was his offer. Yeah, <laughs> was that the one that had a, problem, a lot of errors? Yes. So it's interesting. So and he didn't even recognize the errors. So there right. were some clauses missing. Yeah. Um, names were spelled incorrectly, and um, 
for those of you that don't know what an irrevocable time is on an offer, so irrevocable can be by the uh, purchaser or seller or, in this case, tenant or landlord. So as an example, if we are representing you as a tenant and we are submitting an offer to the landlord, um, the irrevocable would be by you, the tenant, and then a time associated with that. What that means is you can't retract the offer. You are submitting the offer and it's irrevocable until, let's say, midnight. That means the landlord has until midnight to review the offer. You can't retract it and they can accept it up until that point. After that point, the offer is null and void. Well, he put the irrevocable as landlord, which means their offer was actually not even an offer. Right. It was totally irrelevant. So I had to make that change. Um, There was no cannabis clause uh, in it. Um, So that's a big thing now. We do have legal clauses now that do go into uh, lease agreements that basically say you as a tenant are not going to grow any marijuana in our landlord's property. Uh, So we had to put that in there. So between the name changes, the irrevocable time and uh, irrevocability change, um, the cannabis clause, a couple of areas that had other um, grammar uh, corrections needed. There's probably 60 initials that had to happen on the paperwork that if it was you or I or anybody on our team, those mistakes just don't happen. Yeah. And um, actually, I have a good, I didn't tell you, um, somewhat related. Um, so my dad has a rental property, a cottage rental, so a vacation rental property that people rent through Airbnb. Tiny beaches. Uh, hideaway, tiny hideaway underscore beaches, I think. Double I'm going to find them on Instagram right now. It's a cute little place. You can just walk over to the beach there. And yeah. Tiny. Have you ever been to that beach? That yes. beach is awesome. I love well, that beach. Georgian Bay, you can't go wrong. It's crystal clear water. It's beautiful. So anyway, so uh, the this is just about... Tiny Beaches underscore Hideaway. They're on Instagram. Yeah. Um, they're good hosts, great hosts on Airbnb. They've got some nice photos. So if you're the looking for is, a four-season property to rent um, in Tiny near a beach, yeah. there you go. question is whether or not you're a good guest. So... Uh, they had a bad experience recently, and this is kind of similar to leasing. Uh, it's just short-term leases, essentially. Um, but just the importance of really doing your due diligence with people. Uh, so they had a bad experience. Um, first of all, they have different things. So they have a limit on how many people can be there. Of course. And you, So same as a lease. You have to specify yep. who's living in the house, and yep. you can't have people living in the house that are not listed on the lease agreement. Uh, so they had said, I think they had... Three or four people, we'll say, uh, staying. And um, and nothing is you can't have parties. Kind of vague. I mean, what's a party, right? Everyone's opinion might be different. So they live around the corner. So they went on some walks and happened to see the property and check on it. They were snooping. They were snooping. For sure. And there was cars parked on the grass when they have this huge driveway that can accommodate almost a dozen cars. Um, and there were no, like maybe one car on the driveway. So they politely asked them to get the cars off the driveway, which they did not. More cars came parked on the driveway, making a mess of the lawn. 
Um, and they noticed there was probably a dozen people at the house, not three or whatever the small number was originally. Anyway, so after they left, they went in and the place was a huge mess. Like they said, um, just they have to have their dining room table refinished because it's just covered in grease. Um, they said there's one small hole in the wall. They apparently there was in the bedroom, there was curry on the walls. And in the bathrooms, there was shit on the wall. Oh, my God. Like, I don't know how you managed to do this. Like, what the hell are you doing? Was that book through Airbnb? It was through, it was through Airbnb. So there's, um, there is a process that they can try to go through to um, make a resolve claim. the issue and make a claim. Yeah. I don't know how it works or how successful they'll be, but hopefully they'll get some money because now they're going to have to have their table refinished. They have to paint. Uh, the place stinks because of all the cooking and negligence. Um, anyways. So Brad and Aaron, your your brother and sister-in-law, yeah. uh, they have uh, a cottage as well, um, Trot Cottage. They're also on Instagram, beautiful A-frame cottage. And Monette Bay. And they have recently added a second cottage, Monette Bay, uh, both on Instagram. So at Trot Cottage and at Monette Bay. Manette Bay. Yeah. Um, have they had any issues on Airbnb? They're super. They're they, like super hosts on Airbnb now. I think they're. Oh, I think they're doing. I super think Tiny well. Hideaway Beaches is super host now. Oh, are they? I think so. Or they're very close to getting it. But um, yeah, I think my my brother and Aaron had one bad experience. I think it was actually somebody from Milton, if I'm not mistaken, that went up there uh, to Trot Cottage. And they made a big mess. Like they left a lighter, so they they have a um, a wood burning uh, stove, yep. uh, fireplace, whatever. And they left a a lighter on top, and it melted to the oh. fireplace. And it's a really nice one. Like they bought it brand new. Um, and they I can't remember what else there was, but like in the bottom of the stove, there was like an inch of just soot. Soot. Like I don't know what they were cooking, but it overflowed and made a huge mess. Everything was filthy. There was damage. Um, just people that have absolutely no care or any degree of respect. And it's, I mean, it, whatever. I mean, karma, something will come back and, and get them. That's my fear. Like, that's why I don't want to rent out our cottage. Yeah, um, I mean, it's inevitable. That's that's the risk you take when, when you're, especially with short-term rentals. But, but anytime you make, you're renting anything. You can make good money, though. You can. So you can make super good money. Hopefully that outweighs the occasional bad tenant. Yeah. there's There are a lot of people now with vacation properties that are using technology, I'll say, like Airbnb um, and different um, hosting sites like that um, or different um, rental management companies to assist in that. Mm-hmm. And people are paying their mortgages, even making some money on it, and then having maybe a week or two to use it themselves um yeah it's a great investment uh, opportunity especially if you're lakefront yeah if you can hold on to that property it's easy to rent out on a short-term basis they're never going down in value regardless of the market because there's only so many properties especially if you're on a nice lake and i think it's um it's trending 100 percent. cottage rentals um short-term vacations um it's more feasible for families to rent a cottage, certainly more feasible than owning it. 
Uh, but Thank also, you. I found that out the hard way. Yeah, <laughs> also more feasible for most families than going to the Caribbean for a week. So, you know, if well, you rent you, a big place with two families for, I don't know how much it costs, a few thousand bucks for a week, yep. split it between two families, it's very affordable. It's It's cheaper than going south. And if you have children, your fear of going south is, one, I got to get on a plane with my kids, yeah. which I haven't taken our boys on a, oh, on a no. trip yet. That's, but That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that day, but not so much. Um, but then you have to take things into consideration like um, are the, what are the amenities, what's availability of, you know, food, formula, you know, in emergencies, doctors, hospitals, are there any diseases? Are there any, is there anything that I have to be, you know, aware about? There's always all some well, kinds of the uh, fact that they're, I mean, adults don't adapt to the food and water quality of these yeah. countries very well. How many times have you almost shit your pants going down to Mexico, right? Or the Dominican? Almost. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let alone kids. So yeah, you got to be careful. Yeah. So to pack up the van and Pack up the car, rent a place on the lake for a week for two to three thousand bucks. You yeah. go, you have some water play and go skiing, fishing. It's uh, you know, on we don't not not enough people travel in Ontario, and there's a lot of beauty uh, well, here in this province. Not a lot of people travel in Canada. Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, compared to generally, compared yeah. to some of these all inclusives, like you can get all inclusive super cheap. Yeah. Less than a thousand bucks a person for a week. Some, some people do for five to eight hundred bucks. You get a good deal. I tell you though, I mean, like our lake, you you know, you you're there often uh, at, at your cottage as well. But so we're on Sand Lake. That is absolute. Beautiful. You know, it's serenity, and it's a three-hour drive from Milton, door to door. Maybe a little faster if I'm driving on on my own and taking the four hundred seven midweek. Um. But it's, it's beautiful. You go up there. You can totally disconnect for a few hours. I go up there sometimes in the morning and come back at the end of the day when I take a day off. And, um, you know, I still work a little bit from there because we have Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi hits the, the dock so it can sit on the dock and, and work. But it's it's total peace, total quiet. You know, it's yeah. it's beautiful. So if you're looking for investment opportunities, think about buying waterfront property. And yeah. if you're thinking of taking a vacation, consider some of the cottages we mentioned today. But uh, there's a lot of options, Airbnb. There's a couple of companies like uh, Ontario Vacation Rentals and some other places like that that, um, you know, they do provide uh, great options yeah. during the summer. They book up quick, though. Like the prime weeks, they book up quick. July and August, which is when you want to go to the cottage, uh, yeah. they, they do book up. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't know, like, I think when they're thinking real estate investment, they just think of the basics of a rental property, probably single family, residential. That's probably the, the most common thing people think of when they think of buying investment properties. You also have multifamily uh, residential, so more than one unit. Um, and I think this is a great option that people need to consider. You know what is another... I think what's going to be a trending opportunity for investors. So the property we just listed on Liederman Drive in Milton. Yeah. It's a smaller detached home, but really nicely done inside. Nice backyard, super convenient to schools, parks, plazas, uh, good for commuters. Um, Airbnb being something like that. Yeah. Because there are a lot of people that are looking for shorter term rentals because they've sold their home. 
and there is a gap between the closing date of their the home they sold and the new home that they purchased. I'm talking they purchased a new builder's model home. Um, how many times have we got that question? Do you have something available for two months, three months, six months? Is it furnished? Um, I think there's a great opportunity for the right investor to have a property that you are renting in um, a more residential neighborhood mm-hmm. through Airbnb or even hooking up with a realtor that has you know people in their database looking for that kind of stuff like us. Yeah. Um, man, you could really make a few bucks and certainly pay the mortgage. It's a little bit higher maintenance, but there's a demand for it. Yeah. And I would especially say- if it's furnished. Well, Airbnb has to be. Yeah, no, but like fully oh, sorry, furnished. That's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. So those types of rentals, you're probably bringing in almost double what you would on a traditional lease. Yeah. So I mean, if you think about it, if you want to do that math, you could probably rent a single detached home like that for two hundred, two hundred and fifty bucks a night. And there's people that need it for a month. Yeah. So you work. You're at talking a about monthly rate of whatever know, five grand, four or five grand. Yeah. Yeah. Compared to maybe two to 25. 25, yeah. yeah. So good money. Yeah, for sure. So just to wrap things up, if someone is looking uh, at vacation rentals, um, let us know because we can get you in touch with everyone you need from real estate to buy, uh, real estate agents, uh, to property management, to trades to get things set up. Our Rolodex for that kind of stuff, especially me having purchased the cottage a couple of years ago and did all the renovations and had all the inspections and, and all that, you know, yeah. um, arborists and painters and whatever. We've got all of that. And now, you know, if I lived closer to that community um, or closer to northern Ontario or in the Muskokas, I would be the fucking cottage pro, buddy. I mean, we saw like 300 cottages before we bought the one that we saw. You know, tip to realtors, don't be your own customer. Uh, and we were driving like 1,200 kilometers a day every Saturday. That's when I took Saturdays off and we covered each other on the weekends. Um, so if you need some advice in buying those kind of properties or yeah. what lakes and whatever. But, uh, yeah, we got all the hookups. We got the Rolodex. Well, because that's going to be a fear of people buying outside of their comfort zone, outside of their area that they're familiar with. But it's, it's a you breeze. Can, you can We've totally got... get screwed buying a cottage or you can hit a home run. You just got to be hooked up with the right people and we can do that for you. And that's it, guys. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. Make sure you like us, follow us, and subscribe to us.